Amen. All right. Junior Church is leaving. It's always a great encouragement to see people walk out the door as soon as I get up to preach. Amen. <laughs> Amen. No, we're glad we can preach the little ones and the older ones, and it's all the same gospel. Amen. And so, turn your Bibles to the book of John, John chapter 1. I am thankful that we have a Savior. I'm thankful that he manifests himself through the preaching of the word of God. And he's chosen that in these last days to manifest his son, the Bible says in Titus chapter 1. He's chosen the foolishness of preaching. And you say, why is it called the foolishness of preaching? Well, to man, it is foolishness. To unsaved, unregenerate man, but to those of us who are saved, it is the power of God. And I thank God for the preaching of the word of God, and I appreciate the opportunity to be able to stand and deliver you, uh, to you God's word and the message upon my heart. John chapter 1 is where we're going to be. I'll invite you to stand if you're able. John chapter 1, and we will read down through verse number 9, beginning in verse number 1. John 1 and verse 1. And really, this is, as we read this, this passage, some have said this, this is the most beautiful poetry maybe that's ever been written. Uh, this passage is a beautiful passage of Scripture. John 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made, that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. I want to preach this morning on John. And uh, just a very simple thought, a very simple title, A Man Sent from God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day you've given us. Thank you, God, for this opportunity that we have to be in your house once again, to assemble together. Lord, we're here to worship your name, we're here to learn of you, and we're here to learn from you. And so God, I pray, Lord, I know that I have a message prepared, but dear God, I know that the work that needs to be done in hearts, I am unable uh, to do. But we're so thankful for the Spirit of God, which effectually worketh in us, the Word of God, Lord, that, uh, that knows the thoughts and intents of our hearts, it's able, Lord, to minister to us in ways that are not just uh, temporal, but eternal. And so, God, we pray that eternal work would be done in souls and in hearts today. Father, if there's someone here unsaved or unsure of their salvation, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to them. Lord, that uh, your voice would come across loud and clear to their heart, that they would realize that they're a sinner, that there's no way that they can save themselves, but that's why Christ came, 
Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. May that truth press upon their hearts. May they uh, repent and believe the gospel today and be born again. Well, thank you for that. And God, we pray as your people, Lord, those of us who have already trusted you as Savior, Lord, we need you to speak to us as well. And Lord, we pray that you would help us as we look at the, the life of, of John. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, we would receive instruction how you worked in his life, what you called him to do. Lord, those same things are upon us in different ways. Lord, I pray that you would help us to fulfill our calling just as John did his. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Verse number six is our text, and really that's just a very direct and a very simple statement. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. I love how John is introduced to us because really uh, the way that he's introduced to us is kind of the way that he was. He's very direct, uh, very, very simple maybe in his approach to some, but very direct. He had a singular focus, and, uh, and that's, really, that's really what I want us to see today as we look at John the Baptist. The Bible says that he was sent from God, and, and verse number 7 tells us what his focus was, what his calling was. It says, the same came for a witness. He came for a witness. God sent him, and his entire purpose is summed up in this phrase, he came for a witness to bear witness of the light. You know, as I look at John and I look at his calling, I believe we see our calling. I believe we see what God sent us here to do. The duty of every believer is really summed up in this statement to be a witness, to bear witness of the light. You know, if, if God had just, uh, if his only desire for your life was to save you, then there'd be no reason to leave you here after he saved you. But he does have a purpose for our lives. And the purpose of our life is to not bear witness of ourself, not bear witness of our own gifts or our own things, what we obtain in this life. It's not, certainly not to bear witness to this world or the wonders of this world. We are here to bear witness of Jesus Christ. That's what we've been called to do. I think it's interesting that John was sent from God, and he came, the Bible calls him elsewhere, the forerunner of Christ. He came to prepare a people for the Lord. And uh, the Lord's, uh, you say, what, what, what was he preparing them for? The Lord's first coming. John was sent before the Lord to prepare a people and prepare the way for the Lord to come. And you know, that's what we're here for. But we're not pointing people to Jesus' first coming. We're pointing folks to the second coming. We are here to bear witness of Jesus before he comes again. I am of the belief, and I believe it's a, biblical, a biblically based belief, what the Bible teaches, that the Lord could return at any time. I believe he could come before I finish this sermon or finish this sentence. I believe the Lord could come back and in a twinkling of an eye, everything will change on this world. First off, first and foremost, you better make sure that you're ready for the Lord to come. And you say, well, I've got things prepared. And, you know, it's amazing how we prepare in this life. We prepare uh, for, for the day. Uh, some of us prepared more than others today. Amen. I, 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 
Uh, you know, some of us br took a lot of time to brush our hair. Some of us didn't have to. Amen. <laughs> I see you, Brother Tim. But we prepare for all these things. We, we, we make preparations uh, for the short term and for the little bit longer term. But it's amazing to me how few people prepare for eternity. Yes. Amos told the nation of Israel, prepare to meet thy God. You know, that's why John was here, to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. Now, John's whole existence was summed up in that. That's why it was here. And, and you could really melt it down to this. His whole existence was Christ. He lived for Jesus. Now, he cared little for the things of this world, and you can see that clearly from his, uh, from his clothing. Amen? We read about his clothing, and he was, he was girt about with a leathern girdle, and, and, and uh, he, had, he, he, he did not have fancy clothes. Uh, he, his conduct, uh, you know, he wasn't a people pleaser. He wasn't a, a, uh, a mover and a shaker within the social status of the world. Uh, you can see it in his diet. Locusts and wild honey. Yum, yum. He wasn't a suave opportunist. He wasn't here trying to get better himself and better his position. He was here for one purpose and one alone. And he had singular focus that was to bear witness to Christ and prepare people for the Lord. John was sent to a religious uh, nation. They were self-righteous. And yet they were indulgent. And uh, they indulged in the things of this world and the things of the flesh. And yet they still maintained an outward uh, 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 cloak of religion. Sounds a lot like America, doesn't it? John lived a totally opposite way than the world in which he lived. He was not a product of his times but he was perfect for his times. Amen. You know, that's what God has called us to be. You, people would look at John and say, boy, he's a little peculiar. He's a little strange. He lacks the social graces. You know, John was not received in his, in his country, among his own, but he followed a mighty good example in that because when Christ came later, he was... He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Let me say this. If our form of living, our form of Christianity is acceptable to the world, it's not biblical. Mark it down. If, 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 if all men speak well of you, then you're not living the life that God has called you to live. John was not here to please people. John was here to please God. And I want to look at a few things about his life this morning and then again this afternoon. He had one ambition, to fulfill the purpose that he was sent for. Now look again in our text. In verse number 7, he says, The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. Look down in verse number 15. John, bear witness of him. Another very simple statement, but all oh, the power of that statement. John was sent to bear witness of Christ, and that's what John did. Amen. I wonder this morning, and I'm preaching mostly to believers, 
But I wonder this morning, believer, if we were to look at your life, if God was to give a record and a testimony, because that's what's happening here in John chapter 1. God is giving the record of John's life. If God was to give the record of your life, would he say that you were fulfilling your calling? Would he look at your life and say, this is what I sent her for, this is what I sent him for, and that's what they're doing? Or have we been distracted by the things of this world? Well, it's a sobering question, isn't it? John, bear witness of the Lord. Now, I think it's important that we look at John's life, and we know that our great example is Christ, but God gives us other examples in his word. Jesus said of John in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, he said this, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. That's pretty high praise, isn't it? And so I think it helps us, it would help us to look at John's life. Now, we're going to look at several things this, uh, throughout the day, and I'm not sure exactly how much we'll get to uh, because... Uh, I don't want to keep you too long, and I'm a Baptist, so I want to eat too. So look at Luke chapter 1. I want us to first consider John's conception. In Luke chapter 1 and verse number 5, the Bible begins to tell us a very interesting story, a very moving story, and a very amazing story. In Luke 1, verse 5, it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God. Now, there's a statement. Amen. To be righteous in front of me, that's not a big deal, because you can fool me, but you can't fool God. They said they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because then Elizabeth was barren and they were both now well stricken in years. That's a nice way of putting it, isn't it? And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Boy, I really like that phrase. Thy prayer is heard. You know what that tells me? Zacharias and Elizabeth were still praying about this. Even though they're old. You know what that is? That's faith. What are they praying about? A child. They're praying about a child. Look what it says. Thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. You know what I want for my children? I want them to be great in God's sight. Maybe you're sitting out there this morning saying, boy, your children all look so nice, and they're up here, and you know we try to make them look nice when they come up here. You know, don't bring the kids all, all, all dirty. You, you, you got to fix them up and 
polish them up, bring them up, and, and, and they're singing right songs, and hopefully it's a blessing to you. And a lot of people might get the idea, oh my, those are perfect children. They're not perfect children. Now, that's not really a reflection on them. That's a reflection on me. They got me as a dad, amen? And so, and so they're not perfect, and, uh, and, and they've got, they've got hang-ups just like all of us do. Uh, but the thing that we're praying for is that they'll be great in God's sight. Whether you think they're great or not really doesn't matter. Amen. I want you to like them, but you don't have to in order for them to please God. He said, John shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. Well, that's a, that's a good start, isn't it? And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I'm thinking about John's conception, his coming into the world, and really, when you, when you look at all the, the aspects of this story, it was a supernatural birth. Now, you could say in some respects that every birth is. Amen? Because every child born is fashioned by the hands of God, according to Psalm 139. But the, the circumstance of John's birth goes beyond natural, uh, natural uh, uh, explanation. When you look at Zacharias and you look at Elizabeth, not only is Elizabeth barren, but she's old. She's past the time of bearing children. And yet God blesses Zacharias and Elizabeth with a son. That's just the work of God. Amen? John's conception was supernatural in the fact that he had elderly, infertile parents. But also, uh, we see that it's supernatural and that is a result of prayer. It's a product of prayer. We could say that it's supernatural in the sense that he was filled with the Holy Ghost from birth. And as we're looking at John really as an example or as an illustration of the New Testament believer, how John came to prepare people for Christ's first birth, and we are here to prepare people for his, second, or for his first coming. We're here to prepare people for his second coming. You look at how John came about, and you know there's a lot of lessons for us to learn and a lot of similarities. You know, our birth is supernatural. We are, listen, we are, we are conceived, the Bible says, in iniquity, in our first birth, we're born sinners. For as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, for that all have sinned. We are sinners by nature. Someone asked the question one time, are we sinners by nature or are we sinners by choice? The answer is yes. We, we, we have a sinful nature. There, I don't know a lot, but I know this. I've, we have 11 children. This one thing I know for sure. I never had to teach them to do wrong. Not one time. I didn't have to teach them how to misbehave. You know why? Because it was in them. 
as a direct result of Adam's sin. And as they've grown older, we've taught them to do right. But guess what? They still choose to do wrong at times. Sinner by nature, sinner by choice. And bound for hell because of that. But praise God, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, came into the world and he paid for all of our sins on the cross of Calvary. He rose again. You say, why is the resurrection important? Because that was God's stamp of approval on the sacrifice that Jesus made. When he died on the cross, he paid for all of our sins, and he rose again the third day, and because he rose again, we can have eternal life as well. It's supernatural. Can I say this? The, 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 the Christian life, it, it's not just turning over a new light leaf. It's getting a new life. It's not just to stop, you know, we, we're, not, we're not doing the bad things we used to do. We're going to start doing some good things. That's not salvation. Salvation is a supernatural work of God. If you go back in John chapter 1 in our text, look at, look at uh, verse number 12. We did not read it as a part of our text, but it's right here in the same passage. John 1 verse 12, I want you to see it. Uh, verse 11, it says, he came unto his own. And his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. See, salvation is not just uh, intellectually uh, checking the boxes and saying, I believe Jesus died, and I believe he rose again, and I, I believe he lived a sinless life, all the... Listen, you have to believe all those things, but that's not salvation. A head knowledge is not salvation. I, you know, I, I've thought about this. I was raised in church. I, I've mentioned this in Sunday school. My dad and mom are here, and I didn't introduce them. They're Steve and Joetta uh, are their names. And, and I mentioned them during Sunday school. I was raised in a godly home, a Christian home. I heard preaching all my life. We went to Sunday school, and, and I make this joke all the time, and some people get it and some don't. But I got the, the, the year's perfect attendance sticker at three months old. <laughs> Amen? That's how much in church we were. But being in church didn't put me in Christ. Two different things. And I, I can't, as I look back and I think back, I can't remember a time that I didn't believe Jesus died on the cross. Does that mean I'm always saved? No. I can't remember a time that I didn't believe that Jesus rose again. Come on. I've, taught that, I've been taught that since I was a child. Had no reason to doubt that. But understanding the elements of the gospel intellectually is not the same thing as being born again. Because when you're born again, you receive new life. He said, what does it mean to receive him? It says in verse number 12, even to them that believe on his name. It's one thing to believe in something. It's another thing to believe on it. See what do you mean, preacher? I mean this. I believe in parachutes. I do. I believe that a parachute can safely get someone down from a flying, speeding airplane safely transport them to the ground. I believe in that. But I'll be honest with you. 
I hope I never have to believe on that. There's a difference. See, the Bible word believe carries with it the thought of trust. And you can say, well, I believe we're going to have a nice day today, and I don't. I believe it's not going to rain. Well, that's different than biblically believing on Christ. See, when you believe on Christ, you are trusting. We could say this, you are entrusting the keeping of your soul to someone else. Amen. And you are believing on Jesus Christ. When I got saved, I didn't have a long, fancy prayer. Even though I'm sure I could have prayed a long, fancy prayer because I was raised in church. But this is what I prayed. Lord, save me. Work for Peter. Amen. I figured it worked for me. The work had been already been done in my heart. And, I, and the Spirit of God was trying to get me from a point of where I believed in the elements of the gospel that I was believing on the person of the gospel. Did you notice that in John 1.12 it says, But as many as received him, not received a list of a doctrinal statement. Becoming Baptist is not becoming a child of God. You don't receive this list of do's and don'ts. You receive Christ. It's a supernatural work. When you do that, you become a son of God. How do you explain that? I can't explain it. But I believe it. And I, Listen, I've experienced it. Now, I'm not basing my salvation upon my experience. I'm basing my salvation upon the Word of God. Amen. My experience mirrors what the Word of God tells me. Supernatural. John, John's birth was a product of prayer. You know, I believe every person that gets born again gets prayed in. I believe that. Why aren't we seeing more people saved? Maybe we're not praying. Well, I mentioned them on Wednesday night. You know, there's something to be said for fervent prayer. Fervent prayer. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. This is the last time you wept over a soul. I believe John, John's parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they probably had some nights where they wept and prayed. God, give us a, a child. God heard their prayer. I like this. John was filled with the Holy Ghost from birth. That sure sounds like the second birth, doesn't it? But as many as received him, uh, that's John 1, 12. Uh, uh, Romans 8, verse 9 says this. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You know what that means? That means... When you get saved, you get God's spirit. You don't have to pray for a second blessing. Christ is not divided. You don't get a piece of him here and a piece of him over here. No, you get Christ all at one time. And when you trust, when you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Ghost of God within you. John's 
birth was supernatural, but it was also very purposeful. Again, I want us to think about the reason why he was here, to bear witness of Christ. It mentions in verse 16 and 17, it says, Many, in Luke chapter 1, many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John's calling and the reason that John was brought into this world was to bear witness of Christ and turn folks to God. You know, it's interesting that it's also mentioned here that he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. There's a quote from Malachi where it talks about, it's a prophecy regarding John. And how they would turn, when he came, he would turn the hearts of the fathers of the children and the children to the fathers. When it comes to salvation, God the Father is waiting to receive us into his family. And John's purpose and goal was to turn families to each other and turn them all to the Lord. I don't think it's an accident that the fabric of our society has unraveled as the families have unraveled. The devil is attacking the family and the home like never before. We're seeing more fatherless homes than we've ever seen before. And as a result, we're seeing all the trouble that comes from that. There's something about the relationship between the father and the children that is supposed to represent and picture for us the relationship that God wants to have with his creation. John, one of his means of preparing people for the Lord was to turn families to one another again to prepare them for the Lord's coming. You know, when we are born again, it's by the supernatural power of God. It's not fleshly power. At the new birth, we receive the Holy Ghost. And God gives us the Holy Ghost for the purpose of exalting Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He exalts the Lord. That's why when we get together at the church house, we sing praises to the Lord. Because that's what the Spirit of God is directing our hearts to do. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Christ is coming again. And it could be at any time. As God's people, we ought to desire above all else to be people that are sent from God to prepare a people for the Lord. John sets that example, and he really shows us the way to do it. How do we fulfill our calling to be a witness of the Lord Jesus? We have a singular focus. 
We cannot be distracted by the things of this world, by secondary issues like politics or the economy or freedom. Come on. You say, well, you're a Canadian. You don't know about freedom. Number one, I'm not a Canadian. I, listen, I'm a, I'm a freedom-loving, red-blooded American, gun-toting, Bible-thumping American. And I thank God for the liberties and freedoms that we have. But listen, listen, I believe one of the things that the devil wants to do is distract us away from the power of the gospel. Because what this nation needs is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ preached to them from the Bible. That's the only hope for America. We can, we can, we can overturn this and overturn that and get, get our election system straightened out. And we can do all of these other things and still see a generation grow up and know not God. I'm telling you, what this world needs is the gospel. And John, when he came into this, when he came into Israel, don't you know that nation was a mess? They were in bondage. There's problems everywhere. And he could have dealt with all these different kinds of things and got all distracted by all these things, but he had one mission and one goal, and he set himself to fulfill his calling, to bear witness of the light. Don't let the devil distract you. Believer, get it in your heart and in your mind. I'm here to bear witness of Jesus Christ. Now listen, if you're here this morning and you're lost, can I tell you, Jesus Christ is your only hope. Christ said, I am the way. It means there's no other way. The truth. That means there's no other truth. The life. That means there's no other life. You say, preacher, I'm living my life without Christ right now. No, you're not. The life you're living, he gave to you. And one day, this life will expire. And the only way to have eternal life is through Jesus Christ. If you haven't been saved, you need to be born again. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Now, Lord, as we consider what you've spoken to us about, Lord, I pray that we'd be obedient like John was. He had a singular focus. Lord, all the things that were going on in the world and all the, all the worthy causes he could have committed himself to, he understood that he was sent, he was a man sent from God to bear witness of the light. God, help us to understand that we too have been sent by you to bear witness of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Help us never to forget that. And Lord, be with any sinner that may be here that's lost. God, help them to understand that in their darkness, Jesus Christ can shine his light. And they can be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. We'll thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I invite you to stand with me.